You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! All the haters out there, man. I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires. Touchdown, Okay, It's Waddle! His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it is a football Friday, which means we have a guest. Tony Grossi of ESPN Cleveland will join us to give us the perspective from the Browns. Plus, we'll hear from the assistant coaches and the sound bites of the week from the coaching staff and answer your mailbag questions. All of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time That's Podcast. another Miami Dolphins Let's go ahead and roll it forward here to my interview with ESPN Cleveland's Tony Grossi. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is the Browns reporter for ESPN and the landondemand.com. He is Tony Grossi. Tony, thank you so much for your time today, sir. Pleasure to be with you, Travis. Looking forward to Dolphins and Browns this weekend here from Hard Rock Stadium. I'm sure you're looking forward to getting down in some nice weather. We had a tropical storm just kind of rolling through right now, but the, the forecast for the weekend is going to be pretty nice. So a nice little... Uh, I guess, early November vacation for you guys here. But we start these podcasts each week at the quarterback position, and we're obviously pretty familiar with Jacoby Brissett. But I wanted to take the pulse on Cleveland and how they've embraced Brissett here eight games into the season, and what is it that he's doing well so far for the Browns? Yeah, well, you know, he's the temp. He's the temporary quarterback for another three games until Deshaun Watson's suspension is lifted. And I think he surpassed everyone's expectations. Uh, the last two games in particular have been his two best. Uh, he protects the ball fairly well, but he's made more plays uh, in the passing game than, you know, I think most of us expected. We, You know, you figured he was going to be a game manager with the way the Browns are built with their awesome running game and offensive line, but he's been more than that. I think they've asked more of him than any of us expected because uh, they throw the ball still a lot considering, you know, the running back tandem of uh, Chubb and Hunt. So uh, he's, he's done pretty well. Uh, uh, probably his best extended play of his career the last four or five games. Not to mention that Monday night football game, as you talked about the last couple of games, where he was just really on one and that entire Browns offense was clicking. And we do always start at the quarterback position on these crossover podcasts, uh, hearing from our guests on the opponent's sideline. But, you know, if there's one team where you could start at running back, like you mentioned, it's probably either Tennessee or Cleveland. Uh, Nick Chubb averaging over 100 yards per game this season. I believe he leads the league in force missed tackles and yards after contact and all those stats. What is it about his running style that makes him so special? Like, what's the one trait that he has that you just don't see across the league? Well, he's got a lot of traits, and I think it's it's possessing more than one trait that makes him great. He, he's got great vision. The system is perfect for him where he, he has that one cut inside or outside, and then he has so much more acceleration uh, than anyone realizes, I think, than defenses realizes. Uh, he, he can get 
around the corner. He could get past the, the uh, you know, the point of attack with the two strides, and then he's off to the races. He has more big runs than any. I consider him a big back. Yeah. Uh, and he's got more big runs than any big back that I can think of. And we had a guy like that down here a while ago called Ricky Williams, who was pretty good both with the speed and the power. It's it kind of it's kind of a similar style in terms of how good those guys are. And of course, paving the way for him as an offensive line that's it's getting healthier, right? They're, they're getting some guys back this week, if I yeah. understand. Yeah, they should get their all-pro right guard Wyatt Teller back. He's missed two, three weeks with a calf injury. Uh, he's a bulldozer, and and also uh, very mobile. You know, this is a yeah. mobile offensive line. Uh, it's really the it's really the, uh, the heart and soul, I think, of the whole team. And the brain the brains behind it is their great offensive line coach Bill Callahan. So um, it's really a unique uh, system they have here. I think you saw in the Cincinnati game they had a couple plays with seven linemen and one with eight linemen, right. <laughs> uh, and they could dominate a game. You know, the criticism back here is that they don't utilize them enough. You know, they're all, everyone's looking for explosive plays in the passing game. I, I believe the Browns can dominate a game just by, uh, you know, their offensive line and running game. Yeah, my follow-up was going to be, is it safe to say it's still the strength of the football team, but it sounds like you do believe in yeah. that because it's, it's been that way I, for a while now. Absolutely. They lost their projected starting center. Uh, a third-year player, uh, Nick Harris, at, in training camp. But this guy they have filling in, Ethan Posick, one of the best free agent finds of the year. He's he's filled in tremendously. So they're they're not weak. They might be, you know, the left tackle struggled at times, but uh, he hasn't cost them games or you know injuries or anything like that. But they're, I think it's the best line in football. Yeah, it's certainly it's certainly up there with them. And you speak about you know the left tackle position on the other side of the football, a guy that gives left tackles issues you know on their own side uh, is Miles Garrett. And I saw that he is doubled more than anybody else in football on the outside, <laughs> kind of the Aaron Donald treatment out there. But he still has the second best pressure rate in the league. So my question is, when teams have been able to you know neutralize or contain, I guess is the best you can hope for. What do they do to accomplish that? And then the follow up to that would be. Who's the next guy that tends to flourish when all the attention does go to 95? Well, it's Jadavian Clowney, the, uh, the left end, the, the other number one overall pick. There, there is not a team <laughs> in the league that can put two overall number one picks on their defensive line like the Browns. The problem uh, has been they've, they've had very few games together this year. Uh, Miles Garrett got into a one-car accident and suffered injuries that uh, stayed with him a couple weeks. And only in the last game did he seem to resemble his old self. Clowney was in that game, and, and Clowney's only been, uh, I think he's missed three or four games. So they're back together again, and uh, they're, they're, the, they're everything to the defense. I mean, they, they, they are tough to handle for any pair of offensive tackles or offensive line when they're both on the field together. It makes a fun for a fun matchup against this Dolphins offensive line that's finding ways to create clean pockets for Tua Tungavailoa in this explosive passing game. And kind of to piggyback off of that, finishing up in the Cleveland secondary here, you know, you talk about Miles Garrett and your Davian Clowney. The Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have given secondaries fits all season long. Yeah. How can the Browns secondary do what we just talked about with Miles Garrett and try to find a way to contain Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? 
Yeah, well, they are getting Denzel Ward back for this game. He's missed three games with a concussion. And uh, he's uh, our $100 million cornerback. The truth is, the Browns are, are very deep at cornerback. They can go five strong, and they, you know, those guys get hamstrings and all that, so they, yeah, you need that. But they're all pretty healthy right now, the cornerbacks. And so, um, you know, Ward had some games against Tyreek Hill when he was at Kansas City, and uh, Chiefs were victorious in both of them. But um, it's unique, I think, based on what I hear from the Browns coaches, what Mike McDaniel is doing, you know, given, given uh, Tyreek Hill all that motion. And it's, it's, uh, Kevin Stefanski compared it uh, this week almost like a CFL play where he's <laughs> running full speed at the snap of the ball. And I don't know anyone who could cover Tyreek Hill like that. Uh, the, the key is going to be for the Browns to tackle him after he gets the ball, wh- whether it's short passes of course, the long passes, too. And the Browns secondary, I think, is pretty good. They suffered early on, but they seem to have overcome it. And one of their best games ever was against Cincinnati last year, right at the height of Jamar Chase, you know, tearing up the NFL. Uh, They had an outstanding game. So they have it in them. It's just that they've been inconsistent. Looking forward to that matchup. Denzel Ward is my favorite player in the league for a non-Dolphins perspective. And we always end here, Tony, with this with our guest. The Browns will win this game if, and then you get a fill in the blank. Um, if they don't get caught up in Miami's game and they play their game on offense in particular, possess the ball but score while possessing and not get caught up in an in a aerial shootout with Tua and Tyreek and Jalen Waddell. Uh, if they just stick to what they do best, they can control a game. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Grossi, ESPN, Cleveland and Browns, and the land uh, thelandondemand.com. Tony, thank you so much for your time today, sir, and we'll see you up in the press box on Sunday. Very good. Look forward to my trip. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't look forward to a trip to South Florida this time of year? Tony Grossi, ESPN Cleveland, thank him for coming on the show here. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back on the other side, and we'll hear from the Dolphins' assistant coaches, starting with defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. It's a Friday heading into week number 10, and it's still every single week feels like the season just started, but we are 10 weeks into it, 10 games into it. By the next time I talk to you guys by week, and then we have seven games left. It just feels like it goes faster every single year. Let's go ahead and pick this up with the Thursday, November 10th, media availabilities of the Dolphins assistant coaching staff, starting with defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who was asked if there's one thing you want to see the defense improve upon in the second half of the season. What would that be? Get off the field on third down. I mean, that's like there were a lot of good things in last week's game, uh, you know, and I, th- I think, uh, you know, we, we, we had plenty of, call it ample opportunities uh, to get off the field. And when you do that, it kills drives. It kills points. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to play complimentary football, get the ball back to your offense, put them up in, a, you know, a good field position gives you an opportunity to rush a punt. Um, so I think those are, you know, I would say that's that's the thing that, um, you know, sticks out to me that, you know, we, we, we have a really good opportunity, um, especially when you're putting yourself in those situations 
and you're talking manageable third downs. You're not talking third and one, third and two. I mean, you're talking third and five, third and eight, third and ten. Um, you know, I think those um, – and really just tying the rush and the coverage together and making sure that, you know, we kind of get those things. Obviously, you know, that will be a point of emphasis. Emphasis, excuse me. Um, you know, and, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of good things that are going on there, and there's a lot of encouraging things from the game. And then there's obviously, like Barry, you mentioned, there's things that you reflect on and you, you want to get better at. But, uh, you know, you definitely want to build on the things that are good and then take advantage of when you put yourself in good positions uh, to get off the field. You know, definitely take advantage of those. Let's go ahead and pick it up with Josh Boyer here, who was asked about the Bradley Chubb acquisition and what that does for the rest of the organization to get a player like his caliber into the building, onto the field, and hopefully improve this Dolphins defense. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously we're very excited to have a player of his caliber. Uh, I think, you know, kind of what he did for us last week was commendable. You know, he flew back from London, uh, flew from the West Coast out here, um, you know, uh, was able, I think he played like 54 snaps in the game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, it took a lot of snaps for us. Uh, he's still learning some things and nuances, and there's obviously some things that you, you know, you put him in a situation that you're just kind of relying on him to know and understand from playing the game and kind of how it relates to what we're doing. I think he's getting a better grasp of it. He's an extremely hard worker. Like, he's in here, you know, early, leaves late. Uh, it's important to him. Uh, he's a phenomenal person, too. You know, I mean, like, immediately I would say he's a charismatic individual immediately you know guys in the locker room he, he just has that that demeanor about him um, you know love everything about what he's been since he's been here and then obviously you know we're working very hard to put him in positions that uh, he's he can succeed Remember on the Tuesday film review podcast, we talked about how this Dolphins run defense and really the defense in general makes the majority of the plays. It's just the big splash plays that tend to get them in, in bad spots when the opposing offense is feeling it and cooking and going down the field. Coach was asked about the run game and where he views it so far. Much of the same here where he's like, we have so many plays that are working, but just a few that are not. And that's kind of where the differential is and the disconnect is right now. Here's Coach Boyer on the overall effectiveness of this Dolphins run defense scrambles there's a lot of variables that go into that is one like are you call it are you in a traditional call it four-man rush defense you know and then you know it's going to come down to rush lanes obviously there's a lot of variables that go into the, the scrambles is it a traditional drop back is it a play action where they're moving the pocket are you dealing with a call it scrambling quarterback a running quarterback and there's a lot of different things that go in involved into that as compared to um call it you know early down run defense and then you know so sometimes it goes hand in hand sometimes it, it really doesn't because a lot of those scramble plays you're probably more often than not set up to defend the pass um than you are uh, the run, you know, and then some of them that occur off a of play action, there can be displacement based on the offense doing misdirection or move the pocket. So there is going to be a little bit of space. And then obviously it all comes back to the transition rush lanes. If you're in zone coverage, everybody's got zone vision on it, you, you know, so there's a lot of different variables, I think, that go into that. Finishing up here with Josh Boyer, I asked him about what's the messaging when it comes to tackling Nick Chubb this week. Here you go. We need to get everybody to the ball. We need to get everybody to the ball. Like, this won't be a one-man show. Like, I would say Nick Chubb's proven time and time again 
Um, you can see there's many instances when you watch him on film that somebody has him in the backfield and he's able to break that and then he stiff arms the next guy and then he keeps moving. So we need to get everybody to the ball, uh, you know, and I would say whether it's the run or the pass game, hit him on a check down or, you know, whatever route that they're running, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be important for us to get everybody to the ball. Every week when the Dolphins play a game, you can pretty much assure that someone on the other roster was from South Florida or played their you know youth football down here. No different this week, Amari Cooper, coach Sam Madison, Dolphins cornerbacks coach, was asked, did you ever have Amari Cooper on one of your teams, and what's he good at? Here's Coach Madison. I didn't. I had him on my 7-on-17. Seven oh, yeah, for so a couple of years. How so. have you seen him grow? Oh, man, like... Um, going into his senior year, he didn't really have any offers. And then coaching for South Florida Express, and we was traveling around South Florida, around Florida, and then all of a sudden he was like, uh, who is this kid? But um, just unbelievable speed, you know, strength at the top of the route. Um, and that's the way he's always played. He's always been one of those guys that's going to go get it. He's, he's very quiet, and he let his play do the talking. I had this question crafted out for Coach Madison about Cater Kohu, about the way he puts his face into the into danger and into the fan when it comes to defending both a screen game and the running game. But he was asked about Cater and what he's shown in terms of his growth from the time you know back in camp to now week number 10 of this rookie season where he is a bona fide starter and a guy the Dolphins definitely depend upon in that defensive backfield. Coach Madison talked about that, but also his willingness to go in there and make a tackle at that corner. Yeah, he's an NFL starter, and guess what? He doesn't shy away from contact. He doesn't shy away from any challenge. It doesn't matter if it's Stephon Diggs or no matter who it is. He goes out there, and he's going to give it his 100%, and that's what we ask from these guys, and that's what he's been doing throughout the course since he's been here. He's a guy that when you give him something and you talk to him about something, he's going to go out there and try to execute it and, you know, challenging at the line of scrimmage or some of the things that, you know, that we work on on an everyday basis, he's going to do it. Uh, he's nice, thick, he's strong. Um, he missed the game. It really hurt him when he missed those couple of games. So coming back has really helped our depth. And as you can see, when it comes to run support, you know, he doesn't shy away from that at all. Let's go over to the offensive side of the football. And quite frankly, my favorite 10 or 15 minutes of the week, uh, Josh Boyer's very, very good. Frank Smith, maybe it's just because he's new this year, but he is also incredible. I love hearing both of them talk, but Frank Smith right now, kind of, uh, you know, I guess top of my AP poll of coaches and press conferences because he is so enlightening and so engaging and so educational in the way he communicates with us. And this first one was asked to him about how are Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle getting so open well, one, watch the tape, but two, <laughs> here's what Frank Smith had to say about that. I think it goes into, obviously, utilizing their skill sets of speed, but at the same time, I think it comes into just what do they do well and what is the defense uh, trying to do? So basically putting them in spots to be able to uh, utilize their skill sets. So the one thing you see about our offenses that we're – constantly in motion we're constantly moving pieces to try and allow our guys to get in positions to uh, attack the defense so I think I think it's a combination of uh, the process when it starts on Tuesday when we start coming up with the game plan all right how do we get our guys in best position uh, to attack the defense and what they're trying to do coverage wise and and then it comes into their understanding their execution all right combination with two of the timing just you know you start the ingredients you know uh, being baked on Tuesday and you you know, when it worked, when it all comes together, you have a great dish on Sunday. So I think that's just the challenge for us each week is to make sure that we don't, uh, you know, 
just run plays to run plays. We run plays with a purpose, and I think that's the greatest thing about uh, what we do around here. So that line right there really, really got me fired up. We run plays with a purpose, and that's the greatest thing we do around here. I just thought that was so cool, and you can see it on tape with how Coach McDaniel's able to not just pick plays from a playbook that he orchestrated back in the summer or the offseason. It's an ever-evolving document that we that they basically build upon for every single opponent you might face, and it's game plan specific for that team. So you're never going to have a situation with that approach where the opposing team, like, they're not going to ever figure it out. Like, so-and-so has been figured out. They figured out this running quarterback. They figured out the zone read. They figured out the wildcat. When you approach it this way, that can't happen because you're staying a step ahead of that. And I think we have that here. I think it's a big part of why this offense has been so special. Speaking of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, coach was next asked about a moment on field where he saw that Tyreek was a little bit different. Coach obviously coached against him in the AFC West for a few years, but now that he's here with him and sees how he works every single day in the building, that's what stands out to Coach Frank Smith. Uh, yes, and unfortunately I saw it for four years on the other sideline in division, so I just watched it all the time and go like, all right, wow. All right. I mean, I remember back in 2018, he was lined up in the slot on our uh, our rookie, uh, our rookie uh, nickelback and just standing there going like, uh-oh, and then he just runs right past him. And like, like he was like a freaking cone standing right there. And, uh, you know, and so when you watch it on the other sideline, two games a year for four years, uh, when he comes uh, to the field in person, uh, the one thing that sticks out to me might not even be what the world would see. To me, what sticks out is his passion, his work ethic, his ability, and it starts in individual drills, how hard he works. I mean, success isn't by chance in this league. I mean, it's not like so many times people say, oh, uh, wow, look, he makes it look easy. He makes it look easy because of his preparation and the diligence he has. It just, when you're around, I was fortunate enough early in my career to be some, in New Orleans around so many great players and just the strain at which they operated just on a daily basis, he, he's the epitome of that. So I think overall, the production that we see on the field, that <laughs> was never surprised. I saw that way too often. However, how he is as a worker, how he is as a guy, that is what sticks out to me because that's why you're like, that's why he's successful. Talk about good problems to have. Having too many players to play to specific positions, always a good problem to have. Coach was asked about Austin Jackson's return, where that might happen given Brandon Shell's performance at right tackle. Here's Coach on Austin Jackson when he might come back. And playing the best five, baby. I think ultimately we're just trying to make sure we get, you know, Austin ramped up in appropriate ways so we don't have any, you know, setbacks or anything. So introducing back in, you know, the slow ramp up into getting ready for the game. Um, ultimately, I mean, our goal is to play the best five and whatever combination that is, uh, is what we're going to try and uh, put out there. Um, so ultimately, though, right now, like as far as where guys go, each spot, I mean, I mean, I, I would think that as you guys have seen throughout the season, I mean, the consistency and the versatility is kind of something we've tried to hit on from the beginning, especially with the line. All right. So when it comes to his return, I mean, we'll evaluate that when we get there. But ultimately, right now, our goal is just to get him back to the practice field, to get him back to the game field. I've been thinking about this question for a couple of weeks now with Coach Frank Smith, and I able, was able to finally get it off this week. I asked him, how much are you enjoying the process of meeting with Coach McDaniel, meeting with Coach Applebaum, meeting with Lemuel Jean-Pierre, Mike Person, Eric Studisville, the entire coaching staff that goes into these run game plans? How much fun are you having? How much are you learning about the process with these guys? Here's Coach Frank Smith. I think you'll all will love, love, love this answer. This has been awesome. I mean, 
uh, for me personally, um, you know, starting really kind of in Chicago, uh, doing run plans or kind of independent by myself um, and having to learn through that process. Um, I always studied uh, the Shanahan scheme and we were kind of similar doing some of that in Chicago. So for me to really uh, watch what Mike was doing from afar and then now, uh, you know, and kind of you, when you study a scheme, it's hard to really replicate it sometimes unless you're inside of the system. So now you kind of understood certain things. Now working with Mike every day on that has been awesome. I mean, the way he sees football, uh, the creativity, um, the understanding of that, what the defense is trying to do and how to attack it. I mean, it's been awesome. And it's just, it's kind of like, you know, I'd say our game planning always starts on Tuesday with an abstract thought of where we see the vulnerability or what the defense, what area we need to attack, what we're both seeing, and then we kind of build a game plan off of that as opposed to many places you've been, you, hey, these plays worked against them, let's do that, let's do this, where we start with an abstract thought, right, and kind of go, okay, here's what we see, now let's build upon that. And I would say that uh, Mike's, that's one of his greatest strengths is understanding the defense, its rules, Right, where they're where they're trying to do things, and then we build a plan off of that. So, and then the guys help with that as well when we look at combination blocks, right, leverages, stuff like that. I mean, that's where the whole, I would say, it starts off as a lump of clay and then turns into, a, um, you know, a piece of art by the end of the week. Man, I tell you what, that idea of the abstract idea to start things off is the most Mike McDaniel thing in the best way possible. And again, it's why I think this offense is so unique and so let's just call it productive and dominant in the way it has been the last few weeks. Let's go ahead and take our last break. We'll come back on the other side and hear from Wes Welker and Eric Studisville, as well as answer your mailbag questions. That's next drive time podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield brought to you by auto nation. We heard from Josh Boyer, from Frank Smith, from Sam Madison. Let's go ahead and go to the receivers room now with Wes Welker, who started off talking a little bit about Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. But I want to go ahead and just play this one answer for you because I asked him the same question I asked Coach Mike McDaniel earlier in the week about the effort to go get to really give every treat every route as though it's the most important route or a ball a route where you're going to get the football. You're the primary or secondary option on that route. And there's a hidden nugget in here about Tua Tungavailoa and how his skill and his breakout season and his progress in terms of being able to see the entire football field is a challenge to the receivers because this dude's good enough to where even if you're the fourth or fifth option within the concept, our five eligibles, ball still might be coming your way. Um, yeah, but you don't really know that, you know? So um, the way I look at every single play and, you know, um, you know, it's a matter of doing your job, you know, I think for anybody, you know, if y'all are going to write a report or write a whatever, you know, like, are you going to put your best into it or are you going to take a play off or are you going to, you know, no, that that's your job. That's what you're expected to do um, each and every play. And that's just kind of the way I look at things is, and all of us do, you know, as far as, you know, what's my job? What's my assignment on this particular play? And then the next one. And so whatever happens, um, you know, did you do your job? And so, um, and with our quarterback and everything else, you don't know, like, it could be a time that he comes to you or he sees something and, 
the guy sees the field really, really well. And so um, for us to not be on it and for somebody to miss that op because they weren't on their stuff, that's on them. And, you know, if they continue to do that, then we have to find somebody else. Great stuff there. Let's go ahead and finish up with Dolphins running backs coach Eric Studisville, who was asked about his progress report right now on the running game. And again, I mean, I, I love having this access to these coaches to talk to these, ask these types of questions because I look at the film on Tuesday and then I double check my work with, you know, the smartest football minds in the world on Thursday or Wednesday, depending on when we get coach McDaniel or assistant coaches. The Josh Boyer thing about the running game and scrambles versus design runs. Now this about how the running game is just so close to springing these big plays. Here's Coach Tudisville. Overall, I think we're a work in progress. You know, we continue to work on it. We're emphasizing it. Um, we continue to see flashes where we're close to things. The, the ground that we have to make up now is to finish executing some of these runs and to make some of these runs bigger plays. Um, we've left some yards out there. I think every position group that we have on here, you know, at one point in time, um, including the running backs, has contributed to missing yards. And we just got to get on the same page, keep pushing this thing forward because we are close and in some ways, but it comes down to all of us being accountable um, to executing at a higher level in the run game. But it's, we feel like we're making progress and getting there, but, but the, you know, the urgency now is on us to continue and to finish these, these close looks. Let's do one more here with Coach Tudisville about fullback Alec Ingold. I just wanted to get his perspective on what does he mean to this room and how he kind of gives you guys more diverse options with his unique skill set at a position that just doesn't really exist that frequently across the National Football League. Well, first of all, I think what he means to running back room, you see a guy that's you know focused, that's intensely um, prepared and really accountable for the entire running back game room, everything that we're doing with that. And I think that's a great message that all those guys take into account with each other. That room is really good that way. Um, I think he's brought a physical component to – not only our room, but our team too, that guys like seeing. I mean, he's whether it's blocking a linebacker, a defensive end, um, you know, out in space on guys, we see him, you know, really giving great effort and being physical, and that's what that position is. All right, there we go. Assistant coaches, you can find those up on the YouTube channel in their entirety, I believe. Uh, all those assistant coaches speaking. Let's go ahead and do the audio version of the mailbag. Of course, there's a written piece up on MiamiDolphins.com covering the exact same stuff, or I should say the same idea with the mailbag. Different content, different questions. First here from Adam Leon 23 Opposing quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball faster than ever, creating a lack of pass rush, and it requires excellent tackling from the second and third level to not give up chunk plays. What scheme do you think would help minimize those plays? Well, I'm not sure if it's a specific scheme so much as it is execution and trying to capitalize on the particular vulnerabilities of each offense that we might face. At the same time, like if the ball's out quick, you know, that lessens the depth of target more often than not. So it's more about tackling in the first and second level and getting great effort from guys that wind up behind the football as a result, like the D-line, retracing screens, swings and flats, and, you know, other quick throws that are built into the offense. The best way to help your pass rush is to play really good man coverage or when you play zone, disguise it enough that the quarterback has to come off his top couple of options because the way this, the way passing concepts are designed, it's not like the 1980s or 90s anymore. Like if you hit your first read, the ball's out in less than two seconds. So there were plenty of instances last week of putting pressure on the quarterback. Just got to finish, man. And I think it's going to happen. I think, you know, Justin Fields is a unique, unique unicorn uh, in this league, I think that going forward, it should it should get better. Next one from at Kingdom established biggest overreaction from both sides of the football at the halfway point of the season. Very interesting question, kind of like a scan of the social segment here. I think that's kind of what we 
get with each team each week these days, like overreaction, both good and bad in the National Football League. Offensively, I would say the snap location, the snaps have been fine, and the center play has been tremendous. I think a few snaps back in training camp that were up around two, his face mask or you know over his head that he pulled in still and didn't even have negative impact, gave a really bad impression on what kind of player he is, which is currently one of the top players in the league at his position. On defense, it's absolutely the pass rush thing we just talked about. There's only so much you can do when the ball is out hot, and I think people are looking at the over, the outcome over each individual rep where you can see consistent wins from some guys like, you know, Jalen Phillips, for instance. Next one at Sean underscore 305. Is there anything you like to watch for in games that isn't recorded as a statistic? Another really good question there. I mean, yeah, I, that's like my, my kind of what I do in general, I think. Obviously, offensive line play is a big one there. The thing that first comes to mind to me is how quickly the quarterback gets the ball out to his open man. I harped on it last week with the Bears game, uh, how, you know, even when Tua got all the way across the field to his third or fourth option, like a check down, he gets it to him quickly enough for the pass catcher to be able to gather and visualize where he might have to make his move. Those very small instances can create hidden yardage that seems small, but often play a big role. All right. Thank you guys for putting the questions out there on the mailbag. That's going to be my time today. You all, please be sure. Check that. Let's not, let's not sign out just yet. Uh, bye week schedule. I'll be with you guys next Monday through Wednesday. Going to take Thursday and Friday of the bye week off, and then we'll come back on Tuesday and Wednesday of Thanksgiving week. Uh, so kind of an extended bye week into the Monday, and then we'll have the game preview on Tuesday and the crossover, uh, you know, my Friday podcast on Wednesday so that we can all enjoy our Thanksgiving holiday and Black Friday. Bye week, the week before Thanksgiving. Is perfect if you work for an NFL team. We like it a lot. So that's the schedule coming up. In the meantime, you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast, the post-game show on 560, our weekly Wednesday night Twitter spaces show every Wednesday. Also, the international podcast here on the network. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank content. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy's coming home.